The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Take your Bibles this morning. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to continue our study in the servants of the living God, uh, attributes of service. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's, let's pray before we get started this morning in prayer. Father, praise you for the, this day that you've given us, and Lord, the, the opportunity that we have today to worship you, to glorify you. I pray you instruct us from your word, help us to be servants, uh, the servants we should be, and the servants we, we must be. So help us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we've looked at several different uh, facts. This is the eighth lesson, I believe, in this series. We've, we've looked at what, when, and where, and how we are to serve. We've, we've looked at... Uh, uh, the prerequisites to being a servant of God, uh, aside from not only, of course, being being saved, but we must choose to serve God, we must commit to serving God, and we must continue in our service uh, to God. Then we began <clears throat> looking at attributes of a servant of God. We've, we've looked so far at, at 12 attributes. Uh, we said that service will demand sacrifice, service will lead to suffering, Service will, service will result in selflessness. Uh, we said that a servant of God is faithful. A servant of God is fearless. He's fervent. Uh, a servant of God maintains fellowship. A servant of God is flexible, focused, forgiving. Uh, a finisher. That's an important one. A finisher. Uh, thinking about sitting over there just a moment ago, thinking about Zella. Uh, Zella, Zella was 104, right? 102, uh, 102 years old, uh, and uh, she can she can say as Paul did, I have finished my course, and that's what we need to strive to be: is finishers, not quitting and and not not giving up, but but continuing on. Uh, and then we looked <clears throat> last week at a, or last time at a servant of God is content, and that's very important. Um, the servant of the living God is happy to obey. He is happy to serve. He, he is happy to walk in Christ's righteousness. Not trying to manifest his own righteousness. Not trying to take credit for the uh, abilities that God has given him in his life. But giving, giving glory to the Father and, and being content to walk in Christ's Righteousness. He is content to serve. Uh, I stated last time when I taught that I've known people over the last 37 years who, who quit on God. They left the church because they didn't feel like they were, they were treated like they should be or, or that they were given all the credit that they should have or all the attention that they thought that they should receive. But the servant of Christ, we said, is content to stay in the shadows. He's content to let Christ be magnified and glorified. He doesn't need to be, uh, he doesn't need a pat on the back. He doesn't, 
He doesn't need the pastor to stand in the pulpit and mention his name about all the, the things he's done. Uh, the true servant of God doesn't need that, and, and by the way, doesn't want that. The true servant of God wants God to be exalted and lifted and magnified in all that he is able to accomplish. Because remember, if we are able to do anything, anything at all, it's not because of us. It's because of God. It's because of the righteousness of Christ. Without, without that, I am, I am low, I, I'm less than the dirt on the bottom of my shoe this morning. And if, if you don't have that attitude, then you need to get down on your knees and humble yourself before God. Because that's all we are, folks. That's all we are. We are nothing apart from Jesus Christ. So remember that. Uh, be content with the ministry that God has given you. If God has given you a ministry, uh, be content with it. And we all have ministries. You may not have a job in the church, but you're married. Well, your ministry is to be a husband. And you're to devote yourself to that, to that, to your wife. Uh, you have children. Your, your ministry is to be a good parent to your children. Uh, if you're a member of this church, your ministry is to be a, a good and faithful member of this church. Uh, if you have a job, and I assume we all have jobs, then your ministry is to be a good, honest, hard-working, ethical employee. And those, those are your ministries. I was blessed re- the last seven years with the ministry of being a grandfather. And I take that ministry seriously. And I make sure I fulfill that calling. In every way possible. I Skype with my grandkids every night. We Skype and they got these little things now. And you can, you can push this button and it'll put like rabbit ears on your head or something like that. And we sit there and, and I sit there with the kids and I, I put one on and they'll put the same one on and I'll switch and they'll switch. I'm faithful to my ministry to my grandkids. Maybe, maybe you're just called to be a friend. You know, friends are important. We weren't created to be alone. You know that? When God created Adam in the Garden of Eden, he said it's not good that he should be alone. We were created to, to have fellowship. And, and, and so we have friends and we need to be a friend. Uh, the Bible, remember what the Bible says. He that has friends must show himself to be in mean old grumpy grouch. Is that what it says? No. He that had friends must show himself friendly. So that's a ministry, folks, and, and that's what we have to do. But we need to be content and glorify and magnify Christ in all the things that we do. Philippians chapter 1, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me, Paul said, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So that needs to be the attitude of the servant of, of, of God, uh, that he needs to be content. So let's move on now to day number 13. A servant of God is consistent. 
The servant of God is consistent. I asked you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look at verse 57. We read here, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I said a servant of God uh, is consistent. Now, by definition, consistent means to have an to be unchanging in nature, <clears throat> standard, or effect over time. To be unchanging in nature, standard, or effect over time. And the key word in this definition is the phrase over time. Anyone can start something. It's not, it's, it's not difficult to start something. Uh, and, and when it comes to serving God with our lives, anyone can start serving God. But the true servant of the living God will remain consistent over time. Not just for a month, not just for a year, not even just for a decade, but an entire lifetime. Consistent. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll rem I'm reminiscing a little bit about Zella. I can remember coming here on Sunday mornings, and she would sit right over there next to Linda, and I'd come over and I'd, I'd tell her, good morning, Zella, and she'd grab my hand. I'm praying for you. And I knew she was. So consistent, always here. If she wasn't here, I knew she was sick. I knew, that was, I knew she wasn't at the beach building sandcastles. I knew something was wrong with Zella if she wasn't here. She was a consistent, and she was consistent for her entire life. And that's what a true servant of God is. He's consistent over a lifetime. <clears throat> now, this doesn't mean that we, not, we aren't going to have lapses throughout that lifetime. Or, or that we, we won't stumble and fall at times. But the true servant of God will never utterly fall away from God. <clears throat> In Psalm 37, we read, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not, utterly, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. So, the psalmist indicates that we will fall, but we are not utterly destroyed when we fall. We don't utterly fall away from the Lord. And that is because the Lord lifts us up and brings us back. In Isaiah chapter 40 we read, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, <clears throat> we wouldn't need to renew our strength unless we exhausted our strength, right? 
So we can see from Scripture that it's the foolish believer who thinks he'll never stumble, he'll never falter, he'll never fall, because we will. Throughout our lives, we're going to trip up, we're going to fall, we're going to stumble. But the, the, the fact is, the true child of God always gets back up. And, and he always gets his feet back on the right path, because it is the Lord that upholdeth him. And it is the Lord that orders his way. We read just a moment ago in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, some attributes that we are to have. We said, uh, three, it said three things. First, it said we are to be steadfast. And that word steadfast means to be resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. Steadfast. There's some examples in the scripture of men who were steadfast, who did not waver, did not they were they were resolute in their in their determination. <clears throat> Daniel. We think about Daniel. In Daniel chapter one and verse eight, the Bible states that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. Daniel, he he was resolved, he was resolute in his heart. He was not going to sin. He purposed it in his heart. He was steadfast in his commitment to the Lord. He knew God's expectation and he was steadfast to resist and to avoid falling into that trap. I see so many young, careless Christians. Young believers who are careless. They, they walk unaware of what's around them. And they forget. You know, as human beings, we, we, we like to think that we're these intelligent, super-evolved beings. But the fact of the matter is, despite all the technology we have and everything we have available to us, we still forget, don't we? Did you ever lock your keys in your car? I did that just recently. I drove my son's Prius to work. And he's got this little thing. You know, it's not even a key. You just got to have it in the car. And you, you press a button and your car starts. And I threw it on the seat next to me and I drove to work. I got to work and hit the lock button and closed the door. But nobody told me that you can't lock a Prius if the little button thing is inside. So you know what I did? I called a locksmith. I called a locksmith. The locksmith came over. He said, is that your car? I said, well, it's my son's car. He walked over to the door, to the handle. He pressed a little button right there, and it opened. I said, huh. I, I didn't know that. He told me, he said, I'm not going to charge you the full price to come out of here. And instead of $90, he charged me 40 He was a nice guy. I thanked him. But we forget. It doesn't matter how much technology we have available. We forget. Men forget. And if we're not careful, if we're not diligent 
to be like Daniel and to purpose and to determine, we'll forget to follow and obey the Lord. We will. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You know who they are, right? These were men who were steadfast. In Daniel 3.18, they refused to bow down to the idol raised by Nebuchadnezzar. They refused to do it. They were steadfast. Some might say, well, and I've had people say this. Well, why didn't they just bow down, but instead of praying to the idol, pray to the Lord? Well, the Lord would have known that, and they would have known that, but nobody else would have known that. And by example, they'd have been saying to everyone else, I agree with this. And there are times in our life when we are going to have to be steadfast and resolved because we do not want to to taint our testimony before men. These men were steadfast. They, 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 were, they were resolute. They were unwavering. They were firm in their commitment. And this is what it takes to be a servant of God. To be considered a true servant of the living God, we need to be consistent. We need to be steadfast. But not only do we see the the attribute of being steadfast, but next, you are to be unmovable. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, uh, be steadfast, unmovable. Now some might say, well that's the same as being steadfast. Uh, well, it, it's closely related, but there are, there are differences. To be unmovable means to not, it, it is not able to be moved by any force or power. Psalm 1 and verse 3 tells us, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. In Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6, we read, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. The servant of God is immovable. He's like a, Psalm says he's like a tree. Now, trees can be moved, but it's not very easy, is it? Once that tree is, is rooted and, and grown, I remember when my, my daddy decided to cut a tree down in the backyard when I was a little boy. In hindsight, he should have hired someone to cut that tree down. But not daddy. If daddy has something to do, there's nobody going to do it better than him, so why should he pay someone else to come do what he can do, and he'll probably end up doing it better than the guy he's going to hire. Wow, what a job that thing was. That tree laid in our backyard for months before we finally chopped it up into pieces and got it out of there. That was quite a task. That was quite an ordeal. A tree is not easily moved. And we're to be like that. We're to be immovable. 
We're not to be like, like a, a, a little bush in the backyard that's blown about by the wind, the winds of doctrine. Uh, this year this is popular, so we lean that way. Next year this is popular, so we lean that way. No, a, a true child of God is consistent in his, in his faith, in his, in his doctrine. He's immovable. He can't be moved. No force is going to move him. No power is going to, is going to move him. He's, he's immovable. He's, he or she is consistent yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But not only are we to be steadfast and unmovable, but thirdly, it says we are to abound. Now, to abound means, implies existing in an unending supply. Turn with me to Psalm 121. Let's all go there together. Psalm 121. And we're going to read... We're going to read all eight verses, so let's turn there together. Let's begin at verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I love this, this, this scripture. I love this, this psalm. Because it talks of the fact that God never forsakes us. And he never leaves us. Now be, be careful because I, I've known some younger Christians who read this scripture and said, Oh, the, the Bible says God will, will never allow evil to come into my life. No, that's not what that's saying. He didn't say he's not going to let it come into your life. He just said he's going to preserve you from the evil. Get ready for trouble, folks. You're either about to go into trouble, you're right in the middle of trouble, or you just came out of trouble. And those are the three states we exist in all the time. So, be careful about that. But this psalm talks about the constant protection and the constant presence of God in our life. And we are to... We are to conduct ourselves and abound in our labors, abound in our service, knowing that we serve the Lord. And it is God whom we have to take care of us. We can be consistent because our God is consistent. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, we read, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, and forever. This is not, this is not the King James Bible 
V12.4. I don't get I don't get notification. The new King James Version of the Bible update is now available for download. Amen? It's never changed, has it? Now, man has changed it. Man has reprinted it, and he's rewritten it. But God hasn't changed anything. Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. This... This word existed before the world began. It existed in its entirety, just as it is right here. Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. There's no changing with God. God doesn't get up in the morning, and forgive me for being a little little disrespectful, but God doesn't get up in the morning and pour himself a cup of coffee and sit back and say, you know, I really think I need to rethink this whole salvation thing. I think I need to. I think I need to rethink it. Maybe we need to ease up a little. No, God doesn't change. He'll never change. Man wants him to change, but he won't. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And I can be consistent in my stand for Christ because God is consistent, and he does not change. The same thing that God expected of me on November 25th, 1981, when I got saved, the same expectations he had for me on that day still are in place today. God has ordained our purposes that we would abound in our labors. In John chapter 15 and verse 16, I preached on this last Sunday evening. Jesus said, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye ask, uh, whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. God's will has not changed. His purpose has not changed. It's still the same. So how consistent are we? How consistent are we at, at prayer? How consistent are we at, at Bible reading and study? How consistent are we at witnessing of the glory of God? How cons consistent are we at living our testimony before others? How consistent are we at being obedient to God the Father? What will you be doing 10 years from now? Think about that. Well, that question can be answered by looking at where you were 10 years ago. Where were you 10 years ago? If you've been saved more than 10 years, where were you 10 years ago? Because where you were and what you were doing then, if, if, if you've diminished now, then you haven't been consistent. We should, be, we should be growing, right? We should be abounding. We should be doing more than we were doing for the Lord. We're to always strive to grow. And then lastly, and I, I, I'm going to get in this one. I think I got, might have time to finish it. Number 14, a servant of God is cooperative. 
Now, this attribute is twofold. A servant must be cooperative with his master, and a servant should be cooperative with his fellow servants. So first, let's consider our cooperative attitude towards the master. In Matthew 26, 39, we read, uh, this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We read, and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Jesus' prayer to the Father was, not as I will, but as thou wilt. From this we can see that our will is subject to the will of the Father. Now let me remind all of us here this morning that God's will shall be done. Not might be done, not could be done. God's will shall be done. In Isaiah 55, in verse 11, we read, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. <coughs> it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Neither you, nor I, nor the world, nor the devil can keep God's will from being fulfilled. So you have a choice today. Your choice is submit to the will of God and be blessed or resist the will of God and suffer the consequences. But God's will shall be done with or without your cooperation. And God's will for you will be done with or without your cooperation. I can cite two examples of this from Scripture. The first one is Joseph. We all know what happened to Joseph, right? He was hated by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He spent years in service to, to Potiphar, and then he was cast into prison, spent years in prison. <clears throat> but in the end, God exalted him to the throne of Egypt. No man in the land was greater than Joseph except Pharaoh. So we see all of this suffering, and, and it looks bad at first, at first light, you would say, oh man, uh, Joseph had a rough life. But Joseph accepted, he was content to, to serve the Lord. He, 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 he accepted his, his fate and he, he was consistent. And God, God brought him to the place where he wanted him to be. It was the will of God that Joseph go through all of that. And did Joseph do that? That was God's will. And, and God used that to preserve his people, his nation, alive. Well, there's an opposite example, and that is Samson. Now, Samson, he was rebellious. He was disobedient to his parents and disobedient to the, to the word of God. What happened to Samson? Well, he was blinded. He was bound in fetters. And he was enslaved and made to, to, to toil for the Philistines. Well, you might say, well, he got what he deserved. But you see, God had a will for Samson. And in the end, that will was fulfilled. Now, through his life, he was stubborn, he was rebellious, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do what God wanted him to do, he resisted, he was proud, he was arrogant. 
But he was brought to the place where he could fulfill the will that God had for him. And in the end, he fulfilled that will. But at what cost? Not what it could have been, but God's will was done. And Samson slew the Philistines as God willed that he would do. So, we can see the urgency of submitting to the will of the master. But then, also and quickly, we are to be cooperative with our fellow servants. Romans chapter 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of, of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Then in Philippians chapter 2 we read, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The message of these verses is for you and I, the children of God, to be cooperative with each other. We're to be, we're to be in submission to the government. We're not to rebel against the government. We're to be in submission to the police. We're to be in submission to the pastor. We're to be in submission to the church. And we're to be in submission to one another. We are to lead lives of cooperation. Not, not, not rebellious and unrepentive, but we are to be cooperative in these things. The work of the church will never go forward unless we have cooperation. Cooperation to God and his commandments. Cooperation to one another through the local church. And cooperation as examples in the community. Folks, that's all I have time for. If, if I'm right, it's exactly 10 till. Thank you for being here today, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.